perfectionism is the worst thing that could happen to the sustainability movement because it isolates people. It makes them feel like it's unaccessible. It's so hard. And so that's really what I think is what stops people and like what's the boundary. What's holding them back is the fear and not knowing exactly what to do and just like the overwhelm of it because there's so much. Take time, breathe, remain calm. You're listening to the Good Dirt Podcast. This is a place where we dig into the nitty gritty of sustainable living through food, fashion, and lifestyle. And we're your hosts, Mary and Emma Kingsley, the mother and daughter founder team of Lady Farmer. We're sowing seeds of slow living through our community platform, events, and online marketplace. We started this podcast as a means to share the wealth of information and quality conversations that we're having in our world as we dream up and deliver ways for each of us to live into the new paradigm, one that is regenerative, balanced, and whole. We want to put the microphone in front of the voices that need to be heard the most right now. The farmers, the dreamers, the designers, and the doers. So come cultivate a better world with us. We're so glad you're here. Now, let's dig in. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the good dirt on this beautiful November day. Yeah. So before we get started with today's topic, we want to give a shout out to someone that our listeners hear from every single episode, the creator of our original theme music for the good dirt podcast. Yeah, his name is John Kingsley. Guess who that is? I guess you could say the good dirt is a family effort. John is our oldest son and Emma's brother, and he composed, produced, and performed the theme music you hear every week. John is a music professional who lives and works in Los Angeles. And we'll get to see him next week when he's out here on the East Coast on tour with his band, The Brevet. You should look them up. They're great. They're pretty rock and roll, Americana. I like to think of them as like kind of like the Black Keys, a little bit of Mumford and Sons influence for more of the folky side. They're really fun. And they'll be out here in the East Coast if you're around where we are, Philadelphia, New York, D.C. So if you love live music, keep an eye out and we'll link them in show notes. And we love John. Thanks for making our music. Getting back to today's topic topic. We were talking about November and this changing of the seasons and the leaf show here is really almost over sadly. The trees aren't completely bare yet but the colors are more muted and it's looking like we have some really windy days in the forecast so I bet they're going to finish the job. Yeah we're really looking towards winter now in the northern hemisphere which doesn't mean the same for everybody in terms of weather. Obviously there's a wide range of climates. Yeah and it's true that the courier and Ives nostalgia images of snowy landscapes isn't exactly everyone's experience of winter, but that's something that we associate it with it because it's what we've been marketed to over the years. But, you know, winter really isn't only about weather. Yeah, there's, of course, the cultural rhythm of the seasons that we can't help but avoid. You know, when I've lived in more urban or suburban environments, I've noticed that the most immediate indication of seasonal change is the colors you see when you walk into like a drugstore or the grocery store. Yeah, it's so true. It's like the minute that Halloween is over, the orange and black becomes red and green and just skips over Thanksgiving, skips a couple months ahead. Yeah, I think that's because Thanksgiving doesn't involve a ton of things to buy. It's just mostly about a big meal. 
And, you know, but aside from all of that, there's our own internal rhythm that responds to the shorter days. So no matter where you live, this has to be having some sort of effect on us, you know? Yeah, I don't think we realize how much our circadian rhythm is responding to this. People do seem to notice when the time changes, though, like this weekend when it was suddenly dark at 530 and it's getting darker every day. Yeah, how do you think most people react to that? I think that most people really like to complain about it and talk about it over and over in circular conversations that don't get anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. But what if we were able to notice and experience these shifts without feeling like it's something to be endured? Oh, you mean like, what would it be like to embrace winter? Exactly. That's such a good segue, mom, because (laughs) that's the theme of our virtual slow living retreat that's coming up in just three weeks now, December 3rd and 4th. And I have to tell you, because we've been planning this event and talking about it, and I've been thinking about it a lot myself about embracing winter, I have picked up an old new hobby because I was so moved by this adorable knit stocking I saw on Instagram. And we've been doing this make-along in the Almanac, which is our online community, which is basically just like sharing our crafty handmade projects. I'm also reading a book about making from one of my favorite Broadway actors. She just came out with a book called Hooked about how she crocheted her way through all her different shows, which is really sweet. I've also been freaked out by the screen time reports that my phone gives me. So I've been looking for something for my hands to do when I have idle time. And I've been knitting this stocking and it's in preparation of like, yeah, embracing winter. And speaking of the colors, it's like red and white. So it is very Christmassy. But I also just wanted to say that this make along has been so fun and it's been really cool to see everyone's projects. Like Chelsea put up a really cute photo of her homemade Paw Patrol costumes that she made her kids for Halloween. Did you see that? Yeah, Yeah. that was so cute. The hats were crocheted and the costume parts were made out of painted cardboard boxes. It was just so sweet. Anyways, back to the retreat. I am so excited for this weekend and the opportunity to connect again, even though over Zoom, but connect at the same time in live time with so many of you and to go to these great workshops that these amazing leaders have planned out. Yeah, we've designed a really thoughtfully curated gathering full of community sharing and learning. And this is all to help you reframe the season. It's opportunity to quiet these cultural demands and embrace winter as a time of reflection and creativity and restoration, all things that we need to be a whole person. Yeah. And our workshops are going to be awesome. We have Kirsten Shockey. She's teaching a fermentation workshop. Christy Johnson is teaching an embroidery workshop. And Eva Cosmas Flores is teaching intentional design for slow living. We also have a coffee chat. We have yoga. We've got a happy hour with a musical guest. And we've got a gathering the night before so we can all get to know each other. We'll do little breakout rooms. It'll be just like we're meeting in person but on the computer (laughs) (laughs) it's what we can do right now and we are doing and we really want you to join us and we should also mention the cozy retreat gift that's coming your way at no extra cost if you sign up before they're all gone we have only a limited number of these fun bags that are full of things to help you embrace winter so go ahead and register now before we run out of them yeah so to learn more about the retreat and to join us if you're able go to www.ladyfarmer.com and you click upcoming events and then slow living retreat and we'd love to have you on to today's episode with our guest Skylar Saba of Happy Earth Habits. We're so excited to have Skylar on. She might be our youngest guest so far on The Good Dirt and definitely our first 
viral TikTok star. Yeah. We just loved her energy and she had some great tips on sustainable living and we just really loved talking to her. Yeah, we especially enjoyed hearing her take on the Gen Z perspective. This is the up and coming generation of young people who care about sustainability and living more in cooperation with Mother Earth. This was a really fun and uplifting conversation and definitely one that gave us so much hope and continues to give us so much hope about the next generation of leaders and policymakers and consumers. There's so much to talk about, so we'll let Skylar take it from here. So enjoy. I like to say I'm the human behind Happy Earth Habits and Happy Earth Habits is my Instagram is how it started, but it really got big on TikTok and it's really a platform for sustainability education and a place for earth lovers to come together and just figure out more ways that they can support mama nature and all of the things in regards to low waste living and lowering their impact. So that's really what I do and how it started was I was a buyer for a ski shop and I grew up skiing. I grew up very connected to nature. Like my parents were very outdoorsy. They were hiking with me in backpacks when I was like before I could walk. So it's always been really rooted in who I was. And then I worked at a ski shop. I was doing the buying and they were all complaining that there was no snow. The season sucked. When I'm sitting here, like buying a hundred thousand dollars worth of jackets. And I'm like, there's materials in this. Like things were just connecting dots wise. And I was like, this might have a little bit of an issue here. I was eating more plant-based and I was doing what I could do, but I still wasn't super educated in regards to like sustainable fashion, but I knew I wanted to work in clothing. I've always loved fashion. I've loved clothes. I've loved trends. It's always been a big part of me. And so that's when I actually went to school for, I went for fashion and product development and I went to school in New York city. And then when I was there, I got more into sustainability and more into the impact. Like I remember sitting in classes, this is really like what we're talking about. This is what we're learning. This is what they're teaching us. They're teaching us to just create new colors for people to buy more stuff. Like this is ridiculous. And that's when I found the sustainability side of fashion. And my school actually offered sustainability ethics and sustainability as a minor. And so I got really really into that. That was like my last year and a half of school. I was all in all of my classes were sustainability education. That's when I started happy earth habits because I was like full send in regards to making my life as low waste as I possibly could. And when I was doing it, all of this stuff was coming up and I was like, Oh, I don't know what to do about this in my bathroom. Let me go look online and see what's here. And there would be so much information, so many different options. And I was like, this just seems so overwhelming and it seems like it has to be perfect and there's so much pressure on it. Like I got obsessed and I was like, I just want to make a Instagram or some sort of thing for people to see and inspire them to connect to the earth a little bit more and to be able to live more zero waste. So that's how Happy Earth Habits started. And then I was just on Instagram doing my thing. People were following it. It, it was going, but I felt like there was this momentum and it just kind of felt the energy of Instagram felt like it was contained like I didn't feel like it was reaching the people that it could reach. And I was obsessed with TikTok during like quarantine and during the shutdown. I was like on TikTok all the time. I think I should make videos. So I just started making TikToks about how to be more eco-friendly, more low waste products that I love. Like I was trying so many different things to find the perfect product. And so I started making overrated versus underrated videos on sustainability products. And that was what kind of took off. And then the rest was history, I guess. And that's really where I started to build a community on TikTok and started to grow on Instagram. And TikTok is really where my 
people are at. And I think it's so cool for me because it's a different generation. I'm the older part of it, but it is the Gen Z generation and they want to make change so much. Like they're so ready. They're so really willing. They're looking for information. They're so hungry for it. And so they're like eating it up. And those are my people. Like those are the kinds of people that I love to be around. So I love TikTok. It's such a fun place. And that's really where it all started. <laughs> that's so cool. I have so many things I want to say. Yeah. But yay, TikTok. That's awesome. You say you're on the older end. I feel like I'm. <laughs> what about me? Me? <laughs> me? I love TikTok. I'm though. like, what's TikTok? <laughs> right. <laughs> I love it. I think it's so creative. And for a long time, I was like, mm, TikTok, what are these kids doing? But right. um, now, especially compared to Instagram, I just feel like it's so much more creative and Mm -hmm. Interesting. But I love what you were saying about working at the retail ski shop and kind mm -hmm. of having that revelation to yourself and placing these orders and something here doesn't add up. That is so cool. Yeah. And that you really experienced that firsthand. I think many people have probably had the experience of working in retail and probably have gotten a sense of that. But even though you're working in it, sometimes you just like accept things as, oh, mm -hmm. this is how it works. And a lot of us don't take the time to stop and question it. So that's super cool. Yeah. Making those connections, I think, is something that's really missing mm -hmm. in the collective behavior. You know, people, they talk a lot about, you know, social justice and treating people all equally and all of that. And then they don't realize that their consumer habits are the very thing that's creating huge justice gaps in our society. And so as a young person, for you to be sitting there quietly making that connection at your job, I think is fabulous. We need more of that. <laughs> yeah, I think for me too, I have the very strong belief, especially going then to New York City and being with these companies that are wanting to be more sustainable and working with even my school, like they were partnering with schools, we partnered with Adidas, we partnered with all these different companies that were wanting to learn more and wanting to figure out how they could be more eco friendly, how they can lower their impact, what they can do to make a change. Like, I really believe that businesses have a lot of ability to make change and to help inspire people to make change. And I think a lot of times that businesses don't use their platforms, they don't use their resources to do anything for good. And so that's why I get super excited when businesses are trying and they're working on it or they're finding different ways. I think they're the ones who can support innovation. They can support new ideas. They can really help to give the consumer what they want. And I think, yes, the consumer is like the number one because they vote with their dollar every time they buy something. They're telling these big companies what they like, what they don't like. But then the companies also have the opportunity to produce less plastic or lower their emissions, produce locally, partner with different brands and different companies that have more sustainable options. And so I do think that working in retail and then being in the fashion world and seeing it from the inside it made me look at it a little differently because for a while it was like, oh, they're these big evil corporations that just are out to hurt the planet. And I was like, well, wait, hold on. They actually have a lot of resources, a lot of people, a lot of ability to make change. So we should support the ones that are doing that. You actually bring up something we've been talking a little bit more about lately on this show and in our platforms. We have talked so much about individual choices and how if you are part of creating a demand, then things will change. But the more and more we have explored this idea and the more people we've talked to, it becomes clear that we really, as individuals, we can make an impact, but we can't really shift the whole thing without the cooperation of the bigger people. <laughs> the system has to change 
just as much, if not more, from the top down than from individuals doing these different things. So, and you're right. We can't just point at these corporations and saying they're bad and, you know, we're good and it's bad against evil. I think more of an effort to just raise the whole consciousness about the whole thing. I just think it's really refreshing. Skylar, you might be the youngest guest we've had so far. Yeah. And I hate to be like, I'm so old, but I'm actually very struck by how your energy and your optimism, I feel like a lot of times we're having conversations that are really sad and depressing not on here but just in general like in my peer group and my mom's it's ever like ah everything's you know going down the toilet (laughs) but it's really awesome to talk to someone with a lot of optimism and energy so I just really want to reflect that back to you and really appreciate that and that's what the energy you know that you found on TikTok and your audience and that's I just think that's so important and a message to all my millennials and older millennials and boomers that are listening Gen Z's got it going on you guys let's pay attention <laughs> to them I don't know they have a lot of wisdom I think it took me a minute to get here and I talk about this a lot too because I've been in the wellness world a little bit and self-spirituality I think is like a big part of my life and my mom's a health coach and she was in the coaching world and like we have life coaches as family friends a lot of the time so that is something that I grew up in that environment so I've always been looking at things and understanding the energetics a little bit and I think the energy of change like we can't ever make change from a place of sadness and we can't ever make a change from a place of division like nothing gets done from there and even like if you're looking at your personal life like you can't make change if you're mad at yourself you can't make change if you're not dealt with all the triggers and inside like you're not going to see the change in your life and so that's something that I try to teach about as well in regards to the planet and in regards to bigger issues is we're not going to make change we're not going to go anywhere if we're divided we're not going to make change we're not going to go anywhere if we're doom and gloom and we don't think that there's any hope and that's something that took me a minute to get there because a lot of the information about the environment, what's going on, all of that, it's doom and gloom. It's trying to scare people into it. And that's honestly like my biggest bone to pick with the environmental movement and being eco-friendly is the doom and gloom of it because the way that the planet works is it's so wise. She is so wise and she has so many lessons and information to give us, but she also set up herself. I kind of joke, but if the humans we're not really concerned in regards to saving the planet, like I never like to say save the planet because we don't need to save the planet as humans. We can't save the planet, but we can start to live more in alignment with her. We can start to live in a way that is cohesive and that supports her. And that is easier on her because humans in general are just, they're going to make an impact on the planet. Every animal makes an impact on the planet in some regard. And so she has checks and balances. She has systems in place to help. If you look at the carbon cycle, you look at the water cycle, she's built to refresh herself, renew herself, replenish herself, deal with the waste. Like there's ways that she deals with waste and turn it into something else. And so the planet is set up in a way to support itself. So if humans end up doing something where they can't survive on the planet anymore, eventually she'll be fine. Like it might be millions and millions of years, but the earth will be fine. Like we don't need to save her. We just need to live more in alignment with her. That's the whole thing of being positive and having a different outlook on it is because I have this core belief and deep rooted belief that she will be okay. And if we just start to inspire people to connect with her more and to live more in alignment with her, then we can see this huge ripple of change. And I think it looks different for everybody. I say a lot of the time, sustainability, low waste living, eco-friendly living looks different for everybody. And people who stand up for the environment, people who are earth lovers look different. They come in all different 
shapes and sizes, ages, genders. They have different kinds of jobs. And that's one of my favorite parts of it too, is I've tried to explore people who can be eco-friendly and earth lovers in all different areas. I'm so glad you said that about Mother Earth will be fine. I believe that too. Right. And the term save the planet. Yeah. I always think our job, this is just recapping what you just said, it's really kind of to save ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that gives me great comfort, actually. I know a lot of people in the world of climate change activism take issue with that, that they think it's kind of a defeatist thing or just maybe giving up or whatever. But I don't think so. For me, it's a place of peace in a really, really confusing and upsetting space. Mm-hmm. And it helps me see things more clearly to know that humans, you know, for however long we've been on the planet, they have done things for their own convenience and problem solving and progression and all of that. They have tampered with nature. We have tampered with nature. So are we going to tamper with nature to the point where we can't live here anymore? That remains to be seen. But mm-hmm. as you put it so beautifully, the earth has ways of healing herself and the checks and balances. And so, yeah, this is a long-term thing, y'all. We'll have to see how it turns out. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. And also, due to something you were saying earlier about connection and how it's hard to heal from a place of disconnection and sadness. Also, I think a big part of it is realizing that we are nature. Like, we are, our health is the Earth's health. Yeah. And so, in saving the planet, quote-unquote, you know, we save ourselves. I think the problem is we don't realize that we're just sort right. of ruining our entire race as a species. And that's the issue. But as you have seen, working with some of these bigger companies in this retail world is that's just not what we're thinking about. We're thinking about profits and a different kind of sustainability, I would say, like a financial sustainability. If we peel that way back, that's so key. Even in saying, even in thinking that we have the power to heal the planet as a human species, even that kind of thinking includes that divide. Mm -hmm. Who are we to say that we can save this planet? Like, exactly. As humans, I joke, but in my brain, Mama Earth is kind of a. I talk to her. Like, I'm I'm sure a lot of people do, but like, when you have a deep, deep connection with nature and with the environment, you understand that there's this energy about the planet that and about nature that it it just speaks to you in different ways. And so, to me, Mama Earth is a little fun. She's kind of a badass mom. Um, (laughs) Yeah, like that's how I see her. Like, she's fierce and strong and okay humans you think you can save me that's really what it is and I'm like yeah mama earth wants us to have fun here like she wants us to have fun live our life enjoy what she has to offer but also no these humans can't save me I'm saving myself they're lucky that they're here right now that's what I like to think about it too yeah come on who are we to think that really huh it's yeah. almost we're kind of like rude guests in a way. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> kind of made a mess of things and she'll clean up after we're gone, but she'll be shaking her head going, golly. <laughs> like maybe they'll learn next time. Yeah. Maybe the next time we'll, we'll have the dinosaurs didn't work. That, yeah. that ended poorly. <laughs> Whoever comes after the humans, they'll, maybe they'll do it. Third time's a charm. I wonder what the next expression will be of us. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how we would know, but I think it could be fun to play with and like imagine. A sci-fi book, a dystopian book or something. So I'm curious about something and you're representing Gen Z. If you could speak in a generalization about Mm -hmm. it, what is the Gen Z view on clothes and fashion and do they get it at all? I think Gen Z is one of the main reasons why like thrifting has become so big and thrifting has become so popular. And I really think Gen Z 
is on it in regards to sustainable fashion and slow fashion. I think there's definitely pockets and this could just be who I surround myself with. But if you're looking at these bigger quote unquote influencers or people that are pretty big in regards to who Gen Z is looking at, a lot of them have thrift clothes, are wearing vintage clothes, are wearing like re-wearing stuff. They're understanding their shopping sustainable brands. They're understanding it. Whereas if you're looking at these 2000s celebrities where they were new outfits all the time, designer handbags, blah, 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 blah. I think that's shifted a little bit. I don't know necessarily like how much. I think it definitely depends on what influencers or stars that you're looking at. But I do think that people, even the Gen Z in general, the people that they're respecting and the people that they're looking up to are using their platforms in some regard to make some kind of change. And I think that's really what Gen Z looks for when they're looking to look up to somebody or looking to support a business. And I think a lot of these businesses that have blown up in the past five years is because of Gen Z, because they're supporting these businesses. If you're looking at, there's a bunch of sustainable ones that have blown up all birds, all of these really cool sustainable brands. There's the Gen Z behind it. I think there's this also really cool aspect of Gen Z. It's like this viral crazy. There was something about it. They don't care. They're just authentically so them and they don't really care who else affects them. And so that energy is so, so cool. And I think it's going to have a huge effect. They're now starting to get in the workforce and like, they're now starting to have an impact in regards to what companies are doing, what big, these corporations, people with a lot of resources or power, they're having an impact on it. And I think it's so cool to watch what's happening and watch what's going to be coming. And I can't wait till they start to be CEOs and start to actually do things because we saw it with millennials. When millennials went into the workforce, we saw a little bit of it, but I really think Gen Z has this, I don't give a crap attitude about it where I'm just going to do what I want. It's funny. My sister, she's three years younger than me. She's even more Gen Z than I am. I would say I'm on the cusp. I personally feel like it. My age is, I'm 22. So I am Gen Z, but I do feel like I'm a little more millennial than I have some of that in me. I'm a good mix, but my sister, is pure Gen Z and it's completely different. There's a lot of things that are different where I'm what I want to do. I'm, I'm just going to do it. And I'm like, cool. okay. So like that is so cool in regards to making change and like, like demanding things yeah. to be done, I think. And we've seen that happen. And that's why I love Gen Z. The energy of it. It's so inspiring. I can just be authentically myself. They accept everything. And that is the cool part. You can do what you want. Everybody can really live in their truth and live in alignment with themselves. They're inspiring so many people to do better. And they're just so creative. That's why I love TikToks where Gen Z hangs out. That's mm-hmm. their main place. And they're some of the trends. Who even thought of this? Mm-hmm. How did you think of it? There's one right now where it's a Britney Spears. This is a story about a girl named Lucky. Mm-hmm. All of these things that slipped into people's laps. <laughs> Who thought of that? It's so genius. And I think that's so cool because that energy is going to be brought into creating products. That energy is going to be brought into ways to make change. We have these Gen Z scientists. We have math people. We have inventors. We have people in all different regards. And that is going to be the cool part, I think. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah, this yeah is I was so going to say, just get on TikTok for five minutes and you'll get exactly what she's talking about, how they don't care. But <laughs> it's it's in, so a, in a funny. good way. It's such a good way. Yeah. yeah. So all of that being said, I'm interested in what your perspective is on what do you feel like your peers and maybe Gen Z maybe doesn't get yet about this stuff or like what's the challenge or why are they love thrifting and they get that you don't have to get all new stuff. But also Shein is like a huge mm-hmm. thing that I feel Gen Z is helping 
helping to perpetuate. And for those that don't know, Shein's just like this huge fast fashion brand that has blown up and is the definition of everything that's wrong (laughs) with fashion. It's like worse than Forever 21. Yeah, it's really (laughs) bad. So I'm just interested. What are some, yes, we just had a Gen Z love party and not to call out Gen Z in particular, (laughs) but what are some challenges that we still need to be working on? Well, I think like as you're talking about it, I think that the first thing that comes to my mind is it is so awesome that they are unapologetically themselves and they are like so true in what they believe. But I do think there's this opportunity for them to accept other sides and to see things differently. And that would be the first thing that comes into my brain when we're talking about it is to accept that just because the farmers and that are out in the fields working all day don't have tote bags and reusable water bottles, they're just as much environmentalists as yeah. the people that are in the city doing that. And understanding that no matter what side you are, what you look like, what you're doing, you can be an environmentalist. I think in regards to that, there's a lot of acceptance that can be had. And there's a lot of inspiration that they can take from other people that don't just fit Gen Z mold. I think they're really quick to make decisions. And that's the thing about when we're thinking about all the fast fashion that they're supporting. Yeah, it's not Forever 21, but it's still horrible. Mm -hmm. And there's so many things to it. So I think it's quick to make decisions. They're very impulsive. Mm -hmm. If we're looking at these, like, I think that's why Sheen is the way that it is because it's impulsive. Oh, it's only 10 bucks. I'm going to order it. That is their energy. That's why it's successful right now because they're, oh, I'm just going to order it. When they want things done quickly, they want things done right now. They want it Mm. at their fingertips all the time. Whereas they could just keep what's in their closet. And it's the quickness that perpetuates the trends too. That's why Sheen's successful. So maybe slowing down would be my other Mm. thing. I think a lot of them know. They know that Sheen's bad. They know that these things, it's not the lack of information because they have so much information all the time. We can Google whatever we want. We are constantly being connected into social media, getting tons and tons of information. I think people fully know that it's bad or that there could be a better option. It's okay. I want it right now. Like I need it right now. It's just one time. And then it ends up being a bajillion times. That's interesting because it's this different side of the same thing. That's why it's it's this good energy that's make change now. And then it's also, well, there's this dark and a light to everything. So that's interesting. Exactly. I do think that's what it is. If they slow down, read. (laughs) And I think that's a huge part of sustainability. And that's a huge part of slow fashion. That's really what the movement's about is inspiring people to take a breath and slow down and be connected to the planet and get off your phones and get off of this cycle that we're in of these trends all the time. New, 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 bye, bye, bye. And just breathe. Slow living. Yes. Yeah. Slow living. Slow living. living. So (laughs) going back a little bit to what you were talking about, they know about sustainable fashion and they are interested in thrifting and that's kind of a thing with them and they support sustainable brands. To a certain Mm -hmm. extent. So do they understand the whole thing about higher costs? I think that's certainly an issue in my age group and down. And now I'm asking about high schoolers and college age people. Do they look at the cost of these things and say, I'm not going to spend that much money on a dress? Or do they say, I'm going to buy this one dress and it's going to serve me well. And I'll I'll buy this one dress instead of five dresses this fall. I mean, is there any of that going on? I know that they like the fast fashion one, but is there the flip side of that too? You know, I am different because I am in a different community. Like I would think a lot of the people I surround myself are a hundred percent like that, where it's Uh like, oh yeah, I'm totally going to invest in this dress because I understand that 
it's going to last way longer. And I think that's where the work can happen. That's an opportunity for people that are, I'm thinking of my grandma and she always tells a story. She actually grew up in Switzerland. So they have a very different way of living. And my grandpa grew up in the Middle East. So my dad had a very interesting childhood because they were the immigrants. They came over. And when she first got here, she like was obsessed because something, I forget the name of the store, but it's similar to Walmart where she could go and buy like the cheapest t-shirts and the cheapest jeans for her kids. And she was like so excited because of everything was so cheap in America. And she was like, yes. And then like a month later, they would be destroyed. And then she would buy more. They would be destroyed again. And then she would buy them again. And she goes, screw this. I'm going back to my like Swiss brands, the European brands that are made well. And they're going to last. And then she would only buy them. She's like, I saved so much money. She's like, these Americans didn't understand that. And she was like, they weren't understanding this. And so that story to me is so important. That has shifted a lot because growing up, she was always the one that would be buying me nice clothes. We loved fashion together. And that was our bonding thing. But she would be like, oh, this is a very well-made dress. It's a little expensive, but we're going to get it because it's going to last forever. And like, I still have some of these dresses yeah, that we like yeah. got together. And so that was really rooted in me. And I think that's something that, again, I surround myself with people who appreciate fashion, appreciate clothes, understand the impact. And you guys get it. People who are outdoor, they understand it. They think a little bit differently. I think depending on the backgrounds that people have, they have a different appreciation for things. And so that's something that I try to inspire with a lot of people is appreciating what you have. And there really isn't a need to buy new things all the time or to be always constantly needing something new is like, how can we refresh what we have and how can we make it different? And that to me is the best part about it is those dresses that I bought with my grandma when I was probably nine years ago, I'm still wearing them because you can wear them in different ways. You can play with them. You can have different everything comes back in style. So there's that idea that I think it's a maturity kind of thing that I don't think Gen Z has. And that's where they maybe over time they will Mm -hmm. and they'll start to understand it because people it's coming up. The more that we talk about it, the more that we have conversations like this, the more that, oh, this makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so much in the messaging too, because we're surrounded. Most of the messaging that we're getting is you're being sold something, right? And I think what's tricky about what we're talking about right now about how like higher quality things cost more money and that's kind of better to buy than a lot of people here. Well, I'm being told that I need to make a change by my purchase and I can't afford that purchase. So this leaves me out of the conversation, which I also think is tricky. So it's a tricky conversation to have because that's not really what it is either. And what you just said is right on the nose. It's not even necessarily about buying those things. Right. I also think I've talked about this a little too, where you can define if something is fast fashion or not, because the actual definition of fast fashion is something that is only around for a season and then it gets tossed and it's no longer in style. It didn't last that long. But if you're take care of your clothes, you might not necessarily be able to afford this $50 organic cotton white t-shirt all the time. Maybe eventually you can work yourself up to that. But if what's in your budget is the $10 one from Target, then buy that. Take really, really good care of it and see how long you can get it to last and slow it down. That's also making an impact. And so fast fashion, like you can define if something is fast fashion or not. Yes, there are a lot of things that make fast fashion the way that it's made, all but that's more of like sustainable fashion. You can define if something's fast fashion or not by taking care of it. You can lower the impact of your clothing by 20 to 30 percent if you keep it for just nine months longer than you normally would. Like it decreases the impact of how much it affected the earth based on the resources that were taken by nine months if you just keep it longer than nine months. And so that's where the money is. That's it. That's right there. Like everybody redefining that idea of it doesn't necessarily have to be expensive to be slow fashion. Okay, if you might you might not have the budget to go buy this awesome 
these shoes that are made from X, Y, and Z, and they can compost in your backyard. You might not be able to do that, but you could go to the thrift store and buy a pair that are secondhand Mm -hmm. and that would fit in your budget. And that would like kind of check the box. So there are different ways to go about it. And I do think, yeah, we were talking about these big corporations right now, their intention is to make money, is Mm -hmm. to make a profit. I think it's changing. I do think it is changing. And something that I talk about and I like to do is support companies with, they have a triple bottom line Mm -hmm. where it's not just profit. It's the people and the planet and profit is the triple bottom line. That's what I want to look for. Those are the companies that I want to support. And they're starting to incorporate that. That Everybody's coming to aha moment with all the buildup. And that's the thing that's so cool is the buildup is because of people like us. Mm -hmm. The buildup that has gotten us to this place where big corporations are making a difference. When Adidas wants to partner with a fashion institute of technology in New York City to go look at landfills and understand what is being put in the landfill, that's so cool. Okay. People are waking up. People are making changes. They're getting here. They're coming there. It, it just takes a minute. And so that makes me excited. I think that's just something that's important to remember is we did that by mm-hmm. us slowing down what we're doing, by us standing our ground a little bit we were able to make big change. That is such a good point. Yeah, we're always open to the idea that sustainable and fast fashion is open to many different interpretations as there are people. (laughs) You know, everybody can have their own idea about it. But at the very least, you can just make an intention to hold on to your clothes longer. I mean, that is Mm -hmm. a beginning. And it, it brings to mind that statistic we always see that the average person will throw away into the landfill and like, what is it, 80 pounds of textiles mm-hmm. per year? Mm-hmm. That's pretty easy to shift. Just, right, yeah, just take a second look at that thing you're about to throw in the trash. And um, that's all. <laughs> right. In a similar vein, I think it's really fun all the time because obviously they're not the best made things. But sometimes when I find a fast fashion brand in a thrift store, that's like actually a fun thing that I might wear. I'm kind of like, ha ha. <laughs> like, yep. I feel like I'm sticking into the man. Like, I'm reusing this. I'm 13. Like, you designed this to be basically thrown away so I would buy more stuff from you. But I'm going to get more wares out of it. I feel the same way. I'm like, yeah. 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 It's like whenever I find something, I'm like, oh. I can buy this because it's secondhand. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't shop fast fashion, but I, this is secondhand. I found this in the thrift store. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's exciting. Yeah. The other thing I like to emphasize is that anytime you can find something that's not blended with a synthetic, is a good step. The t-shirt that's 100% cotton instead of polyester cotton mm-hmm. or what. And they often are not any more expensive than the cheaper ones. And then, you know, of course, organic cotton's even better. But just the fact that you're avoiding synthetics and plastics going into the landfill is another easy place to start if you're just at the beginning of your journey there. What do you find are your biggest challenges in going through your day and your life in low waste and sustainability? Mm -hmm. And we all have things we run into that just, oh gosh, just can't deal with that. I'm just going to have to talk about that. It's always food. I would say (laughs) food, the grocery store. When I lived in New York City, it was a little different because I had a few more options, I would say, in regards to bulk stores that were a little more accessible. And then Also with everything that was happening in the world, the bulk selection, it was a little harder to shop. And that was something that I was so stoked on when I was living in New York City. I had completely zero waste food for the most part. I had no plastic and I was pretty good about it. It was really easy to do that. I didn't feel like I was going way, way out of my way. You have those little like farmer's markets on every corner, basically. Right. There's so many co-ops and just like, it was easy. It was so easy. And when I came to Columbus, it was, okay, first of all, I had to figure out my grounds here. I was like, okay, is there places to come? 
compost? Where's the farmer's market? What's going on? And so that took a minute. And then also it's not accessible as much here. So it's like, I go to the grocery store, the bulk section isn't open or they don't have the things that I need. And then they look at me all confused because I bring my own jars and I'm fine with that. Like that's one of my favorite things to do is be like, yeah, I brought my own jars, like deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, cause I think there's a huge ripple effect to that. People who are working are like, oh, I could do that. I didn't think of that. Mm-hmm. People yeah. behind me in line are like, oh, that's cool. I didn't think of that. So there's a huge ripple effect to that. I don't mind that. But when I go to the grocery store, it's just so hard because everything's in plastic. And I understand like I have my where I actually work like my job. Um, I do design work and branding and help in that regard. And a lot of the companies that I work with are they make products of some sort or they're making food and a few of them have been in the food industry and they're very into sustainability and they're very into low waste living. There's not really a better option. We could put it in glass, Mm -hmm. but it's going to cost 10 times more. And our ingredients are so ethically sourced and are so important that we would rather keep it at this price because the ingredients are what's Mm -hmm. being put in the body. And we're trying to figure out another way to do plastic and there's not a better option right now. And so that's really, for me, like the hardest part in sustainable living is the groceries of it. Like I try to go to the grocery store. I try to shop in bulk. I try to buy things that can be recycled or that aren't plastic. But then there's just some things that are in plastic. And then I was vegan for three years when I was living in New York. I was vegan. And when I came back here, something on my body, I just have to listen to my body too. It's like, okay, you need to eat meat. And so that was a whole journey as well of one coming to terms with that just because like I hadn't eaten in a while. And then two being like, okay, what's the most sustainable way that I can do this? Like if I'm going to do it, what's the most sustainable way that I can do it? Even that kind of stuff. Like you go to the grocery, like you can't buy plastic free meat. Like what? And so that's like non-existent. And so found ways around it. Like we get our meat from ranchers that are direct to consumer. They're in Colorado, but they're so cool. hundred percent grass fed and finished. They do regenerative agriculture. It's a whole thing. And we love to support them. And then also the local farmers at the farmer's market, like that's a little different. You can kind of control what you're doing there a little bit more. So I think the food has been the biggest part because everything else is like easy to me to switch where it's like, okay, I need floss. Well, there's got to be an eco-friendly floss somewhere. Let me like figure out what the best option is. We're like, okay, I just got to switch this out. They're like, I remember I, I was just was talking about this, my razor. Like when I first started switching, I was like, what's the best? I'm so sick of this. Like I'm throwing out so many plastic razors. Like I got to switch this. Like that to me is easy because it's just finding things that you can do to switch where it's like paper towels. Why are we buying paper towels? Like, let's just use towels, regular towels and wash them. That makes sense. Things like that are easy to me. And like the clothing is easy to me. But I think the food is like definitely the hardest part. Yeah. The plastic free thing really took a hit with the pandemic because yeah. of all the, the sanitary mm-hmm. um, precautions. And then when you do buy food that's plastic free, it's a whole other lifestyle <laughs> Right, Because it's so much more to, because you're buying whole real foods that are like closer to their natural form. And so you have to do more to them to make them edible. We're a part of a CSA now this year. We, we did just veggies last year, but now we're doing meat and dairy and grains and veggies. And it's awesome, but it requires more work in the kitchen and that requires yep. more time and patience and planning. And so it's not an easy swap. Yeah. That part. And that's yeah. the other thing is like the time aspect of it yeah. in regards to the plastic free yeah. stuff, because yeah, that's a whole nother thing where it's like, Oh, I, I could make my own milk. Like I could make my own oat milk or my own yeah. almond milk, but like that takes, so it's like such a, I'm like, I've got so many other things that I got yeah. going on. And <laughs> Like that, I think that was part of my journey too, is this idea of, I think 
the zero waste, like low waste movement is so based around perfectionism. This idea of perfectionism is be honest, like kind of ruining the zero waste movement and like low waste movement because it makes it feel like it's unaccessible. It makes it feel like you can't do it. Mm -hmm. And so that's like a big part of one of the core foundations to happier with habits. It's okay. It's not about being perfect. It's about doing better. It's about being better because there are some things that we just can't control. And like, that was something where I tend to be an all in person. That is just my personality, like full send all the time, go for it. And so that's how I did zero waste, like right off the bat. And like, it wasn't sustainable for me, like for mm-hmm. my personal killing myself to make oat milk because like, I'd be <laughs> like, because I didn't want to buy, but I didn't want to buy Anna curtain. <laughs> yeah. So like I had to loosen up a little bit and there are so many, again, like mother nature is so wise in that way, where there are so many lessons in my sustainable swapping things and all of that, my sustainability journey, there were so many lessons in that for my personal me as well, where it was like relaxing and like doing our best and like figuring out, okay, what is the best here? Because the other thing is I'm not going to kill myself to make oat milk when it's going to drain me. And I'm not going to be able to show up and do something else to like inspire people. And I'm not going to be able to be my best self to make the change. We also have to take that into account. Like we are the thing that makes the change. And so if this sustainability is driving us absolutely crazy to the point where we can't be that way, we have to loosen up a little bit because it's about having fun. That's when I always think, well, mama earth think about this. If I'm like, like, she'd be like, dude, relax. Like yeah. <laughs> the oat milk already has way less of an impact. Just get the freaking oat milk at the grocery store. If you have time on a Saturday, make the oat milk. Great. That's awesome. Like you have fun doing it. If you have a busy week, like relax, it's okay. And that was one of the biggest lessons that I learned in regards to my sustainability journey is we also have to show up and be a person and like <laughs> yeah. be and be human because there is so much in that too. So that's wonderful. You said that you think perfectionism is the worst to say that again, just say that. Oh, again. like a good perfectionism idea? is the worst thing that could happen to the sustainability movement because it isolates people and makes them feel like it's unaccessible. It's so hard. There's nowhere to go. If I'm not going to be perfect at this, if I'm not going to do it hundred percent, then I'm not going to do it at all. Cause I'm going to beat myself up over the straw that they gave me at dinner and yeah. I didn't ask for it. And then that means I'm not doing sustainability, right? Like that means I'm a turtle killer. And I'm like, Oh, that's you get like, there's just some things it takes time. Yeah. Breathe, remain calm. Speaking of the content that you create and your audience and what they're resonating with, I'm interested. You mentioned this at the very beginning, the videos that really got a lot of engagement, but what are your findings from the content that you're making? Like, what do people want? What do they resonate with? It's funny. They love product swaps. And sometimes I feel weird doing them because I, oh, another product, but it's yeah. the product swaps. It's not necessarily, and again, like the core under this is that I'm not being, you have a bunch of toilet paper, go buy, yeah. keep all your toilet paper there and throw it out. Let's put in, like, I'm yeah. not doing that. I'm like, yeah. use your toilet paper. And then here's the other option for when you're done. I'm like, here's tree-free toilet paper that's made out of bamboo or recycled toilet paper. Like, I do think they love the product swaps because it's easy and they feel yeah. like they can do something. And then in regards to food always does well on my page. Like I, whenever I post recipes, I always do vegan recipes or some sort of uh, sometimes I do eggs, but we get them from the farmer's market. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times it's really like whole foods, ways to make awesome food, because I think that's one of my things that I just love. And then when I open up about things and I talk about things, when I talked about not being vegan anymore, and when I talked about my journey with perfectionism and zero waste, things like that, mm-hmm. people love to hear that too. It's been interesting because it's a little harder on TikTok. So like when you look at my TikTok page, it's a lot of baseline information. I feel like mm-hmm. it's not as deep energetically when I'm talking to them. Like I definitely have a closer, deeper connection on my Instagram because 
I can go in and write a long caption or I can take, make a longer video, but on TikTok, it's so fast moving. It's so quick. And it's like, here's this, do this. Like, here's a quick little mm-hmm. nugget of information. And so it's been interesting to play with that because I was born in the Instagram era mm-hmm. and like, I'm used to people having deep, deep connections with their Instagram followings mm-hmm. and it's a little different on TikTok. And so that has been interesting to like play with, but on TikTok, it's the quick stuff that are like, here's five things that you can do right now to be eco-friendly mm-hmm. and they can go do it. And like, they feel inspired. They feel like it's easy. They feel like it's tactical and it's not a lot of information. So yeah, it's been fun to play with, I think too, because it feels easier to digest and to understand. Be like, oh, okay. Sure. I can swap that. Yeah. I can do that or easy. What so. was the word you were using? Oh, overrated versus underrated yeah. was I haven't been doing those as much because like I don't have anything else right now that's underrated. Like I'd have to go buy something to go to <laughs> yeah. underrated. Like I'm like, I'm not going to go buy something like everything I have right now. Because what had happened was I was trying to find things for my eco-friendly swaps. And I was, I had this pile in my drawer in my bathroom of just things that I, this freaking sucked. Like I was so excited about it and it sucked. Like, and then I yeah. had to find another thing. And so I did an overrated versus underrated of like eco-friendly products and people. Oh, cool. So like ranking the swaps that you found. Kind of oh, ranking the swaps. So it was, okay. personally, I did not love the bite like the chewable toothpaste mm-hmm. tablets they were not my vibe I just didn't mm-hmm. feel like my teeth were clean and I was like oh like I wanted that to work so well and then mm-hmm. I oh my gosh I tried this one that was like DIY baking soda like you like put this whole I don't even know what it was made it we did not like that either and then I found David's toothpaste which mm-hmm. was like in the aluminum that you can mm-hmm. cut open and like you can use it all and then you recycle it um and I was like oh yeah so like that was kind of the inspiration cool. behind it there, I'm trying to think of a few other ones I don't use cotton rounds really like I I kind of thought those were overrated. I love them, but like I just use a towel. Mm-hmm. Like we don't need to go buy those. Like I just used a towel to mm-hmm. like take my makeup off. Like what was I? I don't know. And then I got. I did not have the right Swedish dish cloth. So people were like, I said it was overrated because I was like, this sucks because I got it from Trader Joe's. It was not the right kind. Are those the things they like expand? Yeah, they're kind of like a mix between a sponge and a towel. Yeah. So then it was funny. A bunch of companies sent me the real Swedish dish oh. cloth. They're like, hey, we have Swedish dish because like everybody loved it. And that's why I was like, this is so overrated. Like, what are people talking about? Mm. And then I started to actually get the real ones yeah. and they're awesome. It's interesting. You just use it to wipe your counter and then rinse it under your water and like squeeze it out like you would a sponge and then let it to dry so it's a mix between a towel and you can instead of to wash them you just put them in your dishwasher and they like sanitize it and then you leave it out to dry mm-hmm. so they're the best i i love those cool yes skylar and from your perspective what do you think stops people from making certain changes in their lifestyle and what motivates them what do you see having a real effect I think that what stops them is the intimidation around it. I think like the fear and the anxiety of it having to be perfect, of it needing to be like 100% or like honestly, like the fear of not knowing. I know it could be more eco-friendly. Like I know plastic is bad, but I don't know what the swap is here or I don't know what the solution is here. And so that's really what I think is what stops people and like what's the boundary, what's holding them back is the fear and not knowing exactly what to do and just like the overwhelm of it because there's so much. And so I think what motivates people to make change is seeing other people doing it is like my number one. The ripple that individuals have is unbelievable. And that is something that I think we should really, really like focus on and use to our advantage is when you're bringing your bags, when you're doing things like people are paying attention. So that's the first thing is like your ripple and the, what you can do really, really helps for other people to make change, but also education and knowledge and just sharing different things that work for you, ways that to more environmentally friendly or eco-friendly is really, really important. And then also get outside. That's like my number one thing. What motivates me to take care of this planet and to be more eco-friendly is because I love it so much because I'm skiing or I'm outside on a 
a hike or I'm in the ocean or I'm playing outside in the garden, like seeing how awesome it is. So get outside because that's what always motivates me. That was terrific. There was a video you had on your Instagram where you were demonstrating to people how to ask for the coffee in your oh, yes. cup, which I think is great because, as we said, that's been even harder since the pandemic. And sometimes somebody you're with, you know, members of your family or whatever. <laughs> Only recently I was at a hotel and I didn't have my go mug, but I asked them, please do not put the plastic top on because I didn't need it. And the lady said, I'm sorry, it's it's you know, it's our policy. We have to put the, the top on. I can't give it to you without the top. And um, I said, oh, gee, okay. Well, I try to use less plastic because I said, did you know that there's a plastic island the size of Texas out in the Pacific? <laughs> and I did. And this lady goes, her eyes get big and she goes, really? Like plastic? I said, yes. Yeah, and so I just try to avoid plastic when I can, but sometimes you can't help it. And she goes, "Gosh, I'm sorry." And I said, "It's not your fault, you know." And so we, ha- and then we got into this nice little conversation, <laughs> right? So, Skylar, what does the good dirt mean to you? When I was thinking about it, like when I was a kid, you would go outside and you'd be playing, you'd be covered in dirt, and like you'd just be like amped up on nature. And to me, that is what the good dirt means. Like it's like connecting back into it, like getting dirty, getting really deeply rooted in nature and understanding that because I think that is where the sustainability movement is rooted in. It's rooted in people's connection to nature. And that's what inspires them. That's what motivates them to make the change is their connection with the planet. So like good dirt to me is getting outside, getting your feet in the grass, getting dirty, getting connected to nature so that you feel lit up and feel inspired to like go make change and go do what you know, make mama happy. Yes. I love that. Like the good, like when you literally have dirt under your fingernails all in your hands and it's like sweet smelling and you're not worried about washing it off because you're like, I'm just dirty. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. In closing, is there anything else that you want the audience to know about the work that you do or to understand about what you're doing? Or is there anything else you wanted to chat about? I really just think it's really just to remember to stay positive and hopeful in regards to climate change, because it is scary. It is. There's so much information that the news is pumping out all the time. And like, remember, there's this fear narrative that's being underlined that they're pushing out because they're getting views, they're getting paid, like, and really just like center yourself and like stick to what feels good to you, what feels true to you and like, stay positive, stay excited about making change because that's really where the change happens. Skylar, this has been so much fun and such a breath of fresh air and I've enjoyed it so much and learned a lot. And now I'm going to pay more attention to it. <laughs> Yes. yes. Thank you, Sky. Thank you so, yeah. so much for having me. It was so fun. I love this conversation and I felt like we were just hanging out. So that's the best. Thank you so much for being here, Good Dirt listeners. Thank you, Skylar, for an awesome conversation. We are so glad that you are here. If you are not already following us at We Are Lady Farmer on Instagram, then head over to Instagram and do that. And we are at ladyfarmer.com online. Again, check out our Slow Living Retreat. That's on the website too. If you click Upcoming Events and you go to our Slow Living Retreat, we'd love for you to check it out. Yeah, thank you so much, Skylar. And don't forget, folks, sign up for the retreat now so that you have a chance of getting our cozy retreat gift. So we'll see you there. And we'll see you all next week. All right, bye-bye.
Do you like listening to The Good Dirt? I hope you do, because you're here listening to it. And are you looking for more Good Dirt in your life and a community of slow-living enthusiasts to connect with, all while supporting your favorite sustainable living podcast? Well, we're so excited to offer The Almanac. It's our private, slow-living community network where we share workshops, activities, articles, essays, recipes, and so much more that align with our community's sustainable, slow, seasonal way of living. As a member, you'll have access to information sharing and discussions on numerous topics of interest through online threads and frequent live virtual gatherings. Members receive access to a virtual community of hundreds of other slow-living enthusiasts, as well as Almanac-exclusive events, workshops, recipes, playlists, online gatherings, and a book club. We offer seasonal activities and ongoing discussions on a variety of topics to guide you on your slow-living journey. Also included is 10% off the Lady Farmer Marketplace year-round, numerous resources and more, and discounted Lady Farmer events, including the Slow Living Retreat. As a Good Dirt listener, we are excited to offer you 20% off your monthly membership and three months free, which is basically an entire season, if you sign up for the year. So go ahead and go to ladyfarmer.com slash community to sign up with this special offer just for Good Dirt listeners. Yay. That's ladyfarmer.com slash community to sign up for 20% off a monthly membership of the Almanac or three months free if you sign up for an entire year. That's ladyfarmer.com slash community.